Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's get it started in here. I won't let you down. I will not give you up. Gotta have some faith in the sound. It's the one good thing that I've got. I won't let you down. So please don't. FM. It is Friday. Welcome to your Friday edition of Justice and Drew. I am Drew. That is John Justice in there running people down in the parking lot and beating them up as Sam Sansevier. Just terrifying this morning. Just, terrifying. Just threatening me. Well, I mean, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. To so, the best of our knowledge, yeah. I feel like you're very comfortable little... with the concept. Just got to catch me first. Yeah. I don't think it'll be that hard. I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 on, I'm, I'm on Team Sam. I'm, 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 I'm quick like a cat. You guys don't I think, know. I think we should we should allow uh, betting. She actually runs, like, by choice. <laughs> yeah, but you like, got. She I, chooses to go. I bike every run. day. Yeah, you know. You bike. I bike every day. That's not the equivalent. You know? of running. Do you, I've, have, I've, do you have a bike handy? I've shed. Uh, I've shed poundage because of Nutramost. I'm quick. You guys never see me run. You don't know. I ran, I ran cross country. You just look like a, what, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, you can. I'm still you on Team Sam here. You, you can sustain a pace for a long time. Oh, I'm gonna save you in you a know sprint. As we say often on the show, she just, knows what cross country is. I'm gonna <laughs> sit here in my truth, <laughs> and then when you come chasing after me to run me down, you'll just have to eat my dust. I, <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what's gonna happen. Hey, uh, by the way, we here on uh, Justice and Drew do both radio and TV. That's right. We've declared ourselves uh, de facto HLN uh, correspondents. I think that's what the... Have you? We are multimedia yeah. stars. <laughs> we, just, we decided since... Just decided? Yeah, since we both had our had our time this week on Ashley Banfield and uh, SE Cup show last night that we've declared ourselves... I'm going to put it in my Twitter my Twitter handle and just see we'll see how long it takes for TV star yeah for 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 HLN to to say you're not you're not a correspondent a correspondent <laughs> certified correspondent for yeah, not, CNN headline I mean, news they've corresponded you with you true story correct and you're going there next week yes that's true that, that, is a, that is a that is a true story as well so you can call yourself a HLN correspondent yeah I think. I'll have to tell I won't do it right now I'll have to tell the story of my my parking my parking and trying to get to my destination downtown like a yesterday. Story. It was it was rather. I, I did. I just know. I know one thing. I know I did it all wrong. That's all that I know. Big surprise. I know that from where I parked to get to where I needed to go, the route that I ended up taking because I couldn't find any other way to get there was all wrong. I just that's <laughs> that's the only thing that I can that I can say at uh, at this point. So yeah, we'll get to that a little bit uh, a little bit later on. Lots to get to on the show today. We do have the Friday roundtable coming in at seven. We have a. Uh... 
Brian McDaniel from Wrong About Everything. He'll be in for Nick Zerwas, and uh, comedian Brian Miller will be joining the show. And we're going to talk to Tom Emmer at 8.20 this morning. Yeah, we've got uh, North Korea fires another missile. We've got a um, terror attack, terror attack in, in, London. in London. Thankfully, um, I don't want to say minor, but, I mean, thankfully, it, it doesn't look like it was anything of, of a larger scale. There's some oddities about it, and I'm sure, Sam, as you've been scouring the yes. Internet, that'll end up being in uh, in your top five um, this morning. So lots to get to on, uh, on that front. Uh, real quick, you know, it's Friday, okay? And um, I don't know the sleeping habits of either of you, okay? But they're bad. You may, this is, so four in ten American adults, okay, mm-hmm. still sleep with a stuffed animal. So, 40%. So four in ten. Still sleep with a stuffed Still animal. sleep with a stuffed animal, according to a new survey. Sam? No, I don't sleep with stuffed animals. Are there but any? Are two, there any? Are there, are there any near? I mean, because that wouldn't no. be out of the. I mean, there's ones near you in the studio. <laughs> I guess because people mailed them to me. Yeah, sure, it's not, it's not unusual. It's not unusual for someone of your age no. to still have some things that were special to them when they were children. Like I have real cats for that. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, look, I have <laughs> I have stuffed things in I've my. I learned how to enslave actual animals. <laughs> look, I, have... I don't need pretend ones. <laughs> I have stuffed things in my room, so it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. That... Oh, don't lie. Don't for... lie. I know that you have like a John-sized porg. No, it's not. I wish it was John-sized. I have a little. I, have... I actually have two now because I went to go get Bella a chew toy, and they had one at PetSmart. Uh, and then I kept it for myself. Why am I not surprised? Because it was really cool. More than a half of the survey participants indicated that they currently owned a stuffed animal. 40% indicated the toy joins them at bedtime. Perhaps the most surprising, though, most of the plush toys uh, out there are no spring chickens. 56% of those polled said that they've held on to their favorite stuffed animal from childhood for at least two decades. Let's do some scientific research on those particular items. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two decades worth of a stuffed animal that you actually had with you at bed at night that you held, right? Right. I mean, that's just got to be riddled with all kinds of nastiness. Or it's you true. wash it. Yeah, but you know most people <laughs> don't. <laughs> Most people probably uh, don't. I wish people could see the look on Sam's face. Uh, people, are, people are bad about washing their pillows. Yeah, they don't wash their pillows nearly as much. What's your average on that? When do you? you, How often do you wash your pillows? Me? Yeah, never. How often my wife does? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) True story. But I know they get washed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. There's that moment when I go down. It's like, oh yeah, nothing's on the bed. Okay. How often do you wash your, your, your pillows and sheets? Uh, probably not as often as I should, but I try to do it at least every other week. At least. Yeah, that seems about... Like, minimum. Yeah, that seems about... That's, that, 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 that seems reasonable. Like, if somebody yeah. said every week, I kind of would be like, eh. I mean, justifiable, you could, but that, yeah. seems, like, that seems a little, a little bit too much. Uh, they say it's a reflection of the fact that 72, uh, 72% of respondents want to keep their stuffed animal forever. Sure. Well, they're special to them. Yeah, they have security blanket. Sentimental. Well, I don't even know if it's that. I think it's more just sentimental value. Yeah. Did you have a stuffed animal when you were a kid? Do you remember? I know I, I did, I, but I can't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, I'm sure I did, but not, I don't recall any specific ones. Yeah, Sam? I did. It was a yellow teddy bear. I named Yellowish. <laughs> you named me Yellowish. That's yeah. funny. Because My, she wasn't totally yellow. Right. She was yellow, but she had she little was red yep. ears and green. So you're ears. saying she was yellowish? Yeah. 
Yeah. My daughter has uh, has her still has her first teddy bear, the one that was given to her shortly after birth by a family friend. I still have yellowish, but it's just sitting in my closet. Oh, okay. All right. So he's in your room. That was more of a yes. more, more, Okay. Okay. So then back full circle. But I back like, to our theory. Even right? looked at him. Well, sure. But that's what we were saying. You know, that's so that, I don't that, smuggle uh, with him every night. I, I, I got you. I got you. As for uh, feelings and emotions, 30% said that they thought uh, of comfort. 22% said they thought of the person that gave them the toy. 19% thought about the appearance of their most dearest animal. Geography also played a minor role, uh, determining one's likelihood of having a plush animal. 75% of adults in the southern U.S. owning such a toy compared to 72% of those in the Midwest and 70% of those in northeastern states. Those two numbers are way too close, though. pretty close. That's not even... Yeah, that's not statistical. That's a wash. That's a a wash. That's not not a significant difference. No, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't... um, But I do think... I think it's mostly sentimental. I mean, when something is really special to you as a kid... It takes a it takes a lot to dispose of it. Yeah, you know I mean that's like letting go of something. <laughs> so it's not like it's a dependence on it, or you sure. actually cuddle it every single night yeah. as you're drifting away to sleep. It's just you can't really bring yourself to actually put it in the garbage or donate it to like a Goodwill or whatever. Yeah, trust me. You're I as you the, you made the former statement. I was thinking of my. My bedroom slash office and the, the or playpen, yeah, yeah, or whatever, whatever you want to. It is kind of a museum of old and new, and a little embarrassing. So, uh, what's not embarrassing is uh, Sam's ability to scour the internet, finding the top five stories that are floating her boat this morning. We'll bring them to you next, right here on Twin Cities News Talk. Shockingly, during the break here on Justice and Drew, along with Sam, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, we'll be having a further discussion about what we were just discussing during TCNT Movie Talk later on this morning. But yeah, not a lot of movies opening up. The only other one, um, apart from American Assassin, which looks good, but I can wait for that one to come out. Is the new Darren Aronofsky movie, Mother? Mother, yeah. Yeah, no thanks. I, I, I went, to, I saw Black Swan in the theaters, and it was an interesting experience right i guess but i've <laughs> never ever ever felt even remotely compelled to watch it again like i didn't hate it <laughs> right. as I was watching it it was interesting but i i had no i didn't want to i didn't want to experience it again and looking at the trailers for mother and reading a couple of the early reviews I'm not. I'm just not interested. There's a there's a uh, a reviewer, a YouTube reviewer, uh, Jeremy Johns, and he put a tweet out this morning. He said there are uh, there are movies that are pretentiously metaphorical, and then there are movies that are uh, metaphorically pretentious. Mother is one of those. Yes. And both of those things, I just went, yeah, none of those things look appealing to me at all. So I'll stay at home and watch Collateral Damage or Baywatch. <laughs> God, they're on. They're both. They're both on my list of movies that I haven't seen that I yeah. want to watch. And... Good luck with Baywatch. Yeah. Well, I, I look. I've you know I'll have my finger on the trigger. Yeah. To click. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
off to something else if need be. But you yeah, know, I bet I'll like it. I have a pretty low bar. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm going in with a low bar. I just want to get some. I just want to get some laughs. So, yeah, well, I like Zac, Zac Efron. I huh? like The Rock. Yeah. I mean, what could go wrong? A lot, <laughs> apparently. Apparently, a lot. Apparently, quite a bit. Apparently, we're gonna find <laughs> out watching Baywatch. <laughs> This segment of Justice and Drew is brought to us by our friends from GoliathTechMN.com. They are the pillars of your project. It is that time of day when we've asked our lovely, talented, and radiant producer to scour the internet and find the top five stories that are floating her boat this morning. Number one. South Korea says the North has fired another missile over Japan. They knock it off. Please stop. From the Associated Press, South Korea's military said North Korea fired an unidentified missile, uh, I guess, Friday, earlier today. To, yeah, yeah, earlier, earlier today. Um, their time, at least, uh, from its capital that flew over Japan before landing in the northern Pacific Ocean. It was the second aggressive test flight over the territory of the close U.S. ally in less than a month, and it followed the sixth and most powerful nuclear test uh, by North Korea to date on September 3rd. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff said the missile traveled about 2,300 miles while reaching a maximum height of 478 miles. The missile was launched from Sunan, the site of North Korea's international airport. North Korea uh, last month used the airport to fire a intermediate-range missile that flew over northern Japan. The North then declared it a meaningful prelude to containing the U.S. Pacific Island territory of Guam and the start of more ballistic missile launches towards the Pacific Ocean. You've got you've got this weird... This is, it's like the, the most, like, highest-stakes game of, like, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm in your face, I'm not touching you. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but the... What's 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 frustrating? Uh, there's so, on so many different levels, but one of the one of the angles on this is that there's a there's a story out this morning talking about how Americans are not ready for war with North Korea. Just the polling data and people you know and people discussing it. And the the issue is that the more they launch missiles, the less that America is going to the average citizen is going to care. Therefore, the less that they are going to want to do anything proactive against North Korea. But the more that they launch missiles, the bigger the risk becomes that we need to do something proactive with North Korea. So it's this there's this weird split occurring. They keep ratcheting up, you know, putting us in a position where we need to respond. And at the same time, it's going to make it less accepted by the American public as they do. I, when I saw the story this morning, I, the first thing I thought of was David Gartenstein Ross's comments last time he was on the show regarding how, the best way to handle the North Korean problem. And every time they ratchet it up more and more and more, I get more on board with his solution, which certainly raised my eyebrows immediately, which is, you know, get, uh, abandoning our policy of targeted assassinations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that that regime needs to go. And nobody wants to engage in a full-scale military conflict, uh, much like we did with with Iraq when we uh, when we decided that our policy was regime change over there. No, nobody's really on board with that, and the consequences of that would be pretty awful. But at the same time, I mean, nothing's going to change until this regime goes. We've had sources from within North North Korea say the exact same thing. Yeah. They're hell bent on on declaring themselves a nuclear power, and they're going to keep doing it until they are forced to stop. Number two, an explosion on a train in southwest London is being treated as terrorism. From BBC, passengers were injured in the blast at 8.20 a.m. in Britain or 2.20 a.m. our time this morning at Parsons Green Station on the District Line. 
Pictures show a white bucket on fire inside a supermarket bag, but do not appear to show extensive damage to the inside of the carriage. 18 people had been taken to the hospital. Uh, witnesses have described seeing at least one passenger with facial injuries, and others have spoken of panic as alarmed passengers left the train at Parsons Green Station. The Metropolitan Police said it was too early to confirm the cause of the fire on the station, which is above ground, has been cordoned off. Uh, Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has appealed for calm, saying the city will never be intimidated or defeated by terrorism. This is a, a series. It seems like we can't go a month without an, an incident in, in Great Britain. They've got a got a, a very real terrorism problem over there. And I'm beginning, I'm not beginning, I'm, I'm, I don't believe that they are taking it seriously enough. Well, and we'll reach out to David Gartenstein-Ross and try to get him on next week when we have, you know, a little bit more details. This is still really preliminary. I watched this whole thing kind of uh, the, the breaking news this morning, and it was interesting because the news came over and it seemed pretty clear from the get-go that it was a terrorist attack. And then when you saw the footage of the people that were being removed from the train and the, 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 the level of damage done, unfortunately, people were injured. And it turns out that apparently this bucket bomb uh, didn't explode the way that it was supposed to. Um this and again, this is just from a number of years of covering this kind of stuff. This seemed like one of those sort new, newer method dry run type of situations. Like, and I was wondering too whether or not this was sort of a precursor to to something more. Thankfully, nothing more has has happened. Um, but it does seem like this is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. And again, we'll reach out to David and get him on early next week and get his thoughts when we have more details. Number three. Chuck Schumer was caught on a hot mic saying Trump likes us. He likes us. He really <laughs> likes us. From Fox News, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer was caught on a hot mic uh, yesterday saying he likes us. He likes me anyway <laughs> about President Trump. <laughs> Why was that necessary? <laughs> uh, the comments came shortly after Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's floor speech. The mic caught Schumer speaking with staffers and asking if there was anything new. Uh, Schumer says, look, what we said was exactly accurate, referring to his initial statement after his meeting with President Trump on Wednesday. He said, here's what I told him. Mr. President, you are much better off sometimes stepping right and sometimes stepping left. You have to step just in one direction. Your box. I don't know what that means. I, I, it's like I, I've, I've, I've read that sentence like three times and I still don't quite understand you it. You put your, your left foot in, you put your left foot out, <laughs> you put your left foot back in and then you shake, shake it, it all about. about. The- Sometimes, Mr. President, you got to just turn yourself about. <laughs> yes, Mr. President, <laughs> yeah, turn that. yourself about. These meetings, <laughs> I, I think a lot of a lot of the confusion, apart from Trump himself, I think a lot of the confusion that that ends up stemming from these meetings is the. The failure to communicate. And what I mean by that is you've got career politicians like Chuck and Nancy who go to dinner with a guy like Donald Trump. OK, Donald Trump is not a career politician by any stretch, is a is a newbie by, uh, for, you know, for, for every in every sense of the word and is used to just doing deals with individuals. And when he goes to dinner, say, like with businessmen and they're having conversations. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah, we should do that. I mean, and so they have these meetings. And I think what you have here is is sort of two different mindsets when you leave. You have Trump going. Yeah, that was a productive meeting. And we made some progress and we talked about it. Deals will be done later like they always are. And then you have Chuck and Nancy going, we came to an agreement because that's how politics are done right. in Washington. Right. And so you end up with, on top of that, the media trying to interpret it. And that's where all this confusion comes from. There's a uh, there's a level of of 
manipulation that goes on in the political realm that it's not it's not absent in the business world, but it's certainly less pronounced. I think when you're when you're dealing with business people, you can you can take things at face value a lot more. You can take people at face value right. a lot more. You know, because everybody you know everybody's sort of operating, you know, for the for their own self interest and and and, and they're not gonna go run to the press. You know, and try to spin it to make themselves look good in the business world, whereas that that's what happens in politics. They have a meeting. They do what they need to do. They, they try to manipulate the situation to their advantage, and then they run out to the press, and then they give their spin. Right. And uh, you know. Chuck and Nancy are a lot more adept and experienced sure. at giving their spin than Trump is. And, the, and the, look, the reality is if nobody had had any if, – if there had been no talk of, that, of this dinner, if it hadn't gone beyond that dinner and that conversation the, – my larger point is there's no there there. They just had a dinner and they talked about stuff. Nobody's gone and crafted any legislation. Nobody's gone into Congress and put forward any bills. They just talked about things that they wanted to do. So if if we hadn't heard anything about this dinner, it would have been just that. They still would have gone to Congress. Congress still would have been doing what it is, whatever it is they're going to do on DACA. And they may have been talking afterwards based off of what happened at dinner. But so much of this was blown completely out of proportion by the mainstream media and that sort of yeah. that political angling that Chuck and Nancy did when they came out and decided to talk about the dinner. And it caused uh, just a ton of confusion. One thing, and I wish we had the audio. Did you see... The interview with Trump before he got on the plane to go to to go to uh, to to Florida. No. So he was interviewed on the tarmac, and they were talking about the dinner. And this is when he said, "There's going to be a wall. Um, you know, we we may have to pay for it later." And he talked about <laughs> the building up the the sections. It was it was we'll have to we'll see if we can find the audio because he says, "You know, we, we're uh, we're building some sample sections right now, and we're going to choose which one we like more." Like you're picking curtains for your living room. <laughs> Right? It's a wall, dude. <laughs> it's not like you're going to build, well, that wall, nah, it's okay. But this one's a little bit thicker and a little bit taller. <laughs> You'll have to find the audio. It's hysterical. Number four. What appears to be a pipe bomb was found on Hennepin Technical College campus. Uh, from Channel 5, a school representative said an emergency alert about an active shooter was actually uh, that was on campus was sent out by mistake Yikes. at about 11.30 a.m. <laughs> That's not something you want to send out by mistake. No, the alert should have said that a suspicious package was found on campus. Uh, about 30 minutes after the first text was sent, the next text read, the campus is being evacuated due to a safety concern, but not... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not an active shooter scenario. Police officers, the Minneapolis Police Bomb Squad, and the ATF all responded to the incident because a staff member found a potential bomb in a commons area of the school. 
Brooklyn Park Deputy uh, Police Chief Mark Bruley said it was obviously intentionally made to look like an explosive device out of piping material. Brooklyn Park did, uh, Police did, did not receive any specific threats all day, but they stressed that they had uh, to carefully remove the device from the school and detonate it, despite not knowing if it was active. School officials acknowledged the mix-up resulted from human error, referring, of course, to that text. Uh, but they didn't address why it took so long to send the second text or explain its lack of clarity. Nobody was hurt in the incident, thankfully, but classes were canceled for the day. And police said that there are cameras inside the school, so they're reviewing those to find out who may have planted this device. Now, and do, there is class today. But we don't know if it was if it was able to detonate, like if it was an That's actual what, bomb right. or something that was just made to look like a bomb. So the story is vague on that because they said, uh, I mean, there's that sentence there, but they stressed that they had to carefully remove the device from the school and detonate it did not, despite not knowing if it was active, but it didn't say if it actually detonated. If it's an, if it was an actual bomb, this is a much bigger story than it's right. being well, and I was, led on to believe if somebody actually made an attempt, yeah. which is so I'm, I'm inclined to think sure. that the, evidence so far would lead authorities to believe that it was just made to look like a bomb which is still I mean, a big deal still a big deal but right. not as big as an actual attempt well because i was when i first saw the story i was shocked that i mean this morning it was the first time that i'd heard about it and this happened before noon yesterday uh and this just seems like it should be if it was an a- actual bomb even if it's not, I mean, even if it's someone's making like a fake bomb to right. make people think it's a bomb, I feel like it should have been a bigger story. Here's the reason why it's probably not a bigger story. Okay. And this is just assumptions, but it's based off of what I've seen happen a lot of times in the past. These, the news outlets, Channel 5, whoever else covers it, they all have individuals that they know and contacts inside of local law enforcement. And they talk all the time. It's all off the record, but they talk behind the scenes all the time. I've seen it happen so many different times. I, I, I bet that it was somebody who tried to make something that looked like a bomb, but the reporters and the news outlets behind the scenes have probably been made well aware that this was a hoax and probably have further details that will come to light, and that's so. why it hasn't gotten... Because if it wasn't, if that wasn't happening, I absolutely agree with you guys. It would have been a much, much bigger story. The media would have ran with it further. But I've seen this happen so many times where you get something that looks like, why is that not being covered? And you find right. out, oh... We didn't get the whole story, but a lot of the reporters are getting it from from, from their contacts. Well, which is kind of, which hopefully, I think that that would make sense, and I think that that would be logical, and I hope that's the case, um, because that means that the news outlets aren't just looking for clicks. <laughs> because if they were just looking for clicks on their website, they right. would have totally sensationalized it. Right, right. And it doesn't, and, and that's part of that, sort of part of that relationship, I think, that, that they are able to get that information from law enforcement, is that they don't go and do that. So yeah. law enforcement will be proactive so. to say, hey, we know you have the story. Here's what's really going on. You can't report on it right now. Mm-hmm. So and then, then they go, oh, OK. And they kind of just they keep it tempered until the yeah, rest of the details come the out. Big, the big focus of this story from Channel 5 uh, was actually more so the fact that there was a text that went out about an active shooter, but it was wrong. Right. Yes. And then like the actual we found a bomb part. It was like more of a side note. So I think that you're probably yeah, right. That's the that's the, the 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 text thing is actually the the kind of the big at this point the bigger issue. Right. Number five. Protests over a dress code have erupted at Edina High School. 
from the Star Tribune. The school said its policy hasn't gotten any more restrictive and that any concerns about attire will be taken up with individual students. But scores of students gathered in the Edina High School Commons on uh, yesterday to protest what they said were tighter restrictions in the school's dress code. Talk about your first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I mean, come on. <laughs> right. Think about what, like other people their age could be protesting all around the world that are actual problems. Uh, in response, school district officials released a statement notifying parents that nothing had been changed with regards to the school's policy. But students said that they believe otherwise. But we believe otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but we but we think maybe <laughs> we're, we're upset. We have a lot of feelings. <laughs> The principal. And no real problems. <laughs> no no we, actual real problems really in just, our lives. We just really need something yeah. to complain about. Come on. I mean, protesting is kind of cool. <laughs> principal Andy Beaton said uh, in a statement, no one has banned leggings, cut out shoulders, skinny jeans, etc. Kids should dress comfortably but appropriately at school. If there is a concern about attire, we will speak with students individually. Which is how it should be. The school has had two instances, and I'm not sure if this is just this year or in total, but the school has had two instances where it spoke to female students about their attire, uh, adding that those instances could have led to the kerfuffle. (laughs) Kerfuffle. That's the the most appropriate word for this. Yes. A couple of girls probably were wearing something a little inappropriate. They were probably spoken to calmly and just like, look, you know, probably not wear that. And then, yep. and then they freaked out, and their <laughs> ah, rights being trampled upon, and, and patriarchy, and and that all, the, yeah. Now they're showing up in oh, what they do. They showed so, up in the yeah. commentary wearing <gasps> leggings and skinny jeans and crop, and crop tops. tops. Oh my god! And boys wore red or pink shirts to express their support for the girls. I'm sure <laughs> they, all, they all felt really good about themselves. Photos on social media showed two boys wearing overalls with no shirts underneath. Uh, students chanted and snapped photos. Some stood on tables. Yeah, man, I can't Look wait. At us, we're cool. Can't wait until these people have real problems in their life. There's a. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about this a, a little bit more uh, next hour, and I'm going to lay something on top of this. But there's what? there's. <laughs> what a weird way to say that. Well, no, because no, no, top? no, no, no. On top of the story, though, because there's a there's <laughs> this this protest culture is being is being brought about. You know, we talk so much about social networking. But because of social networking, you have, you know, young people, you have old people that are suddenly now exposed to uh, controversies that normally they wouldn't get exposed to before. And they're able to sort of move those and perpetuate them via social networking. You know, this type, I know that this isn't new. This type of thing has happened before, but usually it gets kind of get, it gets relegated to small isolated circumstances isn't into making major news stories. But these situations get blown so much out of proportion because of the ability to disseminate them and talk about them more. And I just don't think, again, we've caught up to the fact that the protesting culture, it's reaching all the way down to the grade school. You've got people, when you talk about the online mob, you know, the, uh, the the internet mafia that gets all up in arms. Those are people that don't normally get exposed to controversies, but suddenly now are because they're able to talk about it more on social networking. Yeah, and that's, and that's what drives so much of this is the, you know, oh, this is going to look great on my Snapchat story. Right. Yeah. The pictures, you know, right. the guys, look at this. Ooh, this would be great. You yeah. know, it's this is so dumb. Exactly, exactly. Well done, Samantha. Thank you. These stories will be uh, up on the uh, Justice and Drew show page a little bit later on this morning. Coming up, we have more Hillary Clinton news.
No. Oh, no. It's very, it's very exciting. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. God, please, no. Well, one of, the, no. one, of, one of the stories is how she really needs to go to jail. No. Oh, <laughs> okay. wait, okay. what? Yes! The other one is about how she really wants Democrats to win more elections. No! No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. No. Plus, no, no, no. Why are people in San Francisco uh, play, uh, praising uh, Pelosi... Uh, and Trump working together. We'll get to all of it coming up on Twin Cities News Talk. Hey, look, everybody. There's a Brian McDaniel in studio. Welcome back to Justice and Drew along with Sam. Whoa. Good morning. What's up, dude? A wild Brian McDaniel appeared. <laughs> Just burst in. He kind of did. I'm here, and I have things to say. <laughs> that that, that, that kind of happened. Uh, Brian Miller will be joining us uh, just after uh, 7 o'clock this morning. We'll get to the latest news. Uh, you were just saying, Brian, that the the injuries in the London terror attack was up to 20... It's up to 22. 22 now? It's just being reported. It's being reported locally, and then I just saw it on the on the Fox News TV. Yeah, and it it's it it looks as if that uh, apparently it was like a it was a it was a bucket bomb which we haven't really seen before that was placed on one of their commuter trains. It was out of the I don't know if it happened in the tube and then the train came out or if it happened when they got everybody off of the train. It was above ground. Apparently, it didn't um, it didn't detonate fully. Thank God. So. Yeah, and I was listening on the on the way in, and I I agree with Drew that it seems that they're I mean it's it's taken seriously in Europe. But I mean, this is, I mean, these are systematic, coordinated attacks. Repeated. And, and I think that there's a desensitization that's happening there. This is too normal. I, I agree 100%. I've seen comments already from people that, that live over there that are very dismissive of this. Like, oh, it's probably, somebody said, uh, I think it was a tweet, somebody said, uh, it's probably just some, some pissy soccer fans. Just, yeah, okay. No. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, it's terrorist. Just a flesh wound. Yeah. Well, and without, you know, without knowing fully and, you know, having spent time looking at the, the politics there in London, I mean, when you look at, you know, who was elected as mayor and you can you can easily go and and project how that commentary and how difficult it is to have that conversation about radical Islamic terrorism when you have such a high concentration of Muslims in that area and you've elected a a Muslim mayor there. I mean, that's not something that they're going to want to, I wanted to say, have an honest conversation about, but have an honest conversation about when circumstances like this arise. It's got to be a very difficult thing to work through. I'm looking forward to uh, to talking to David. In fact, maybe we ought to reach out and see if he's able to come on a little bit later this morning. Uh, if, if not, we'll talk to him early next week about uh, what, what he knows about this. Uh, we are going to talk a bit about uh, Chuck and Nancy, uh, Trump, and uh, how they're getting strange praise in San Francisco. I do believe I have a, a reason for that. First off, though, let's go and uh, talk, talk to Darren and Savage. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, guys, and um, happy Friday to you as well. Thank you. Anyway, the reason I am calling is because uh, every time I, I get ready to get on the Trump train, he's got to do something stupid and liberal and make me say, this is why I did not vote for you during the general election. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I'm, I want Trump to have a very successful administration. I, I'm rooting for him, um, and you know, I, I find myself in agreement and in support of of some of what he does. And then he'll do, uh, he'll, he'll do or say something that just makes me shrug my shoulders and go, "You're making it far more difficult on yourself than you need to." Darren, what are you specifically annoyed by right now? Uh, well, the DACA thing. He's like. He's going to make a deal with them uh, to, uh, you know, basically make DACA the law, 
of the land, and he's not even going to get his wall out of it. It's like I, I, I would I wouldn't want him to make any deal on DACA that, that way anyway. Period. But at least if you're going to do it, at least get your wall out of it. That's what you wanted, right? See, this to me, and thanks for the phone call. This to me comes, and I made this comment yesterday. This to me, you go back to that. Every time Trump has a dinner like this, it's like he's pulling from the the, the President Donald Trump choose your own adventure novel. Huh. It's like these meetings, you can you can go and and kind of decide how you want to interpret what's taking place. Because I have a completely different view on this. I didn't, and I'm not currently taking. We're not going to. I'm not taking Donald Trump's comments as we're not going to build a wall. Nor am I taking him as he's going to provide amnesty. What I am taking from this is he had a dinner with Chuck and Nancy. They talked about doing something about DACA, which the congressional Republicans are already saying they're going to do. Paul Ryan came out and said, we have to have border security before we go and do anything permanent with the 800,000 that are already on DACA. And Trump doubled down again yesterday and said, we're still going to build the wall. The only thing in what he said that I thought was the most interesting was when he said, we're still going to build the wall. We may just pay for it later. That's the only – I still got the impression that he still wanted to go and, and build the wall. So, again, so much of this is open to interpretation. I'm to the point where until they actually start debating on particular items of legislation, it's kind of like you have to wait. Well, and I, and I agree with Darren and with John. I agree with Darren that what, what I don't like is the instability that Trump's style – brings to Washington because when he meets with people you don't necessarily trust that he knows the the the, the protocols and, and the ways of Washington so you get these conflicting stories where I agree with you John 100% is I don't think that he said we're not going to build a wall I believe that that at worst, what it said was the wall is not going to be tied to whatever we do with DACA I, I think the wall right. is a separate issue the the other part to this, and this is this is gonna, and, and I I absolutely understand this is gonna sound so much like I'm coming off like a Trump apologist, and I'm not. But when he was when he was talking to the press on the tarmac yesterday, I just I had this flash, like Donald Trump is the same type of president that I would be, and what I mean what I mean by that is this. I don't know that I'd vote for you either. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. What I mean by that is. You know, I, I, I have no political savvy whatsoever, right? I'm a, I'm a talk show host. So unless something is gone and set in stone, I'm just talking and I'm speaking in generalities. And again, he's the president. He needs to learn how to navigate those waters better. But when he speaks to me, he speaks as a businessman who what he says isn't set in stone until somebody goes and signs on the dotted line and they come up with a deal. Um, I think that that. You know, what type of president does America want? America wants an independently minded president, at least most Americans, want an independently minded president that has the ability to take good ideas from Republicans and Democrats. Donald Trump has shown a willingness to do that, much like Jesse Ventura, you know, here here years ago. I think the issue is that that there is a lack of trust that he is taking the good ideas from both mm. and how he works with both. Well, you but saw I, how Jesse Ventura got treated here and the aftermath of that. I mean, you know, that you're right in the sense that I think most people in theory, you know, would like a president that that can get input from a lot of different sources and figure out the best way to go and not be tied to any particular party's ideology. But the people that he has to work with don't want that. 
you know, they want somebody who's going to go along with their agenda. Yeah. And, mean, and they're going to work to sabotage him at all fronts. There's a reason that we elect an individual to be president, not just, you know, the head of the party. Right. Um, it's a, it, there's a reason that we elect a person, not just who, whichever party gets the most votes gets to appoint their person. And that's because we want somebody in there who, you know, will will act as a chief executive that is that is experience that right. Donald has in the business world sure the, the president president Trump but that is not necessarily uh, not all those skills are transferable and we're seeing that on, almost on a daily basis you you lived here during the Jesse Ventura time I did and in yeah. in the aftermath I did not but yeah. I, I, I followed the story and was uh, I was very familiar with it obviously and I've learned a lot about it since the aftermath the way the electorate responded to Jesse Ventura's term was was interesting, and 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 what I'm what I'm what I'm very interested in seeing is how the electorate responds to to Trump. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get an indication of it next year with the midterms, but you know, we'll get a much better indication of it in 2020. Talk a little bit about how what the mood was in Minnesota, you know, towards the end of Jesse Ventura's term. Sure, sure. Well, he, you know, Governor Ventura was elected in 1998. And then I started working at the House of Representatives in 2000. So when he was first elected, complete shock. Everyone was in shock. Even some, I was not a political insider then, but I was still, you know, you know, very involved in the process. And I was very surprised. And I think that there was a lot of hope that, hey, you know what, you know, you know, he's he's going to be an independent guy. It's going it's going to be something different. Um, once I started working there, what I was surprised about is I never saw him at the Capitol. I mean. I saw him on TV doing XFL. Mm-hmm. I saw him, you know, out and about doing things. There didn't appear to be a a lot of interest by him in governing. And he, but what he did do is he hired good staff and he 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 empowered them to make deals so the so the government functioned. One of the things that happened too is that the House and the Senate. Senate was Democrat then, the House was Republican. They worked together. So they kind of worked against him. Yeah. But they were yeah, you part- never saw more bipartisanship. Yeah, no. Than when a third party no, got a little uh, bit of power. Yeah. Well, and it, and you know, it's it, it would behoove and I and I, I I'd like to believe, and this is me being overly optimistic, I'd like to believe we're starting to see it happen. It would behoove both the left and the, the Democrats and the Republicans to realize sort of the gift they have in Donald Trump where He's not really emboldened to anybody, and they can kind of use that to their to, to their advantage as being the guy who takes the majority of the heat, even if they go and work on things together. Well, and, and, and one thing that was different then um, was in, in 1998, things were pretty good. You know, in, mm-hmm. in America, in the state, the economy was good. Um, we did not have a lot of problems. So you could almost take the gamble on the political relative newcomer and just see what happened. He didn't have the big deficits that he had to, had to govern under. Um, so I think that having, you know, in a time like we are right now with a lot of strife both at home and abroad, having somebody who's kind of doing the on-the-job training is disconcerting. and It, it worries me. There's a couple of quick stories, and just to, just to make a point on, there's one out of the L.A. Times talking strange but true, praise in lefty San Francisco for Pelosi, Trump, um, working together, right? Then this is also another story. Uh, this is out of Breitbart. Uh, Trump, many Republicans really like potential dreamers deal. Here's a larger point on this. Okay, both of these stories underline the same issue. One, the 
the criticism of Donald Trump, the really irrational criticism of Donald Trump in the fact that there are people in San Francisco that are praising Pelosi and Trump working together is very surface level. It's fun to criticize. It's good to argue about him because they don't like him. But really, when you get down to it, even on a subconscious level, people even on the left want stuff done. And if they can get their stuff done with Trump, they're fine with it. The other thing can I, I, I believe be said when it comes to Republicans really like potential dreamers deal. Saying build the wall, people want that wall. That's all well and true. But that also was something much, much deeper in a lot of um, people who supported Trump and wanted to see border security. And even with something like the Dreamers, they just want to see him get stuff done. So you kind of have these both sort of surface level, build the wall, but really what they want is a president that's going to get stuff done and do border security. And then you have the, we hate Trump, oh, but we're okay if we can get our agenda forward uh, by using him. You know, I mean, it really goes back to what we've talked about so much this week, that perception versus the sort of reality. And it shows you how shallow a lot of that hashtag resist stuff was. It was very convenient, right. you know, to galvanize people. But when now that, you know, you're actually able to make some deals, it's like, well, hashtag kind of resist yeah yeah you know well Let's hashtag resist a little he's gonna listen to pelosi and even schumer says he likes him then you know i suppose we're okay <laughs> whatever dude six five one <laughs> that's kind of where i've landed on yeah. a lot of this six five one nine popcorn and politics five five or use the hashtag tcnt on twitter coming up next we are going to be joined by comedian brian miller to fill out the rest of the roundtable. Uh, also, we'll talk a little bit about uh, North Korea firing off a, another missile and uh, the NAACP weighing in on the cop who said he was shot, but it turns out that he shot himself and faked the whole story. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 